You are listening to the Remotepreneurs Podcast. Here, you'll learn how to adapt to a new future of doing business remotely by listening to interviews with the new breed of entrepreneurs called Remotepreneurs. Now, welcome your host, a remotepreneur that came from the factories to building multiple location independent incomes all remotely, Philip Ville Stankowski. Hello, remotepreneurs. This is your host, Philip Will, coming from my office in Macedonia, preparing to go to Bali in a few months. Today's week, we are going to talk how to use media to actually build a business and why is that important. And this week's guest is probably one of the best that can explain us why, because in the past decade, he personally created over 1,000 TV shows and worked for all major players in the field like abc nbc cbc fox amazon prime roku he actually even has a his own show uh, as a host going green show that you can watch on amazon prime and he runs a media post-production company in san diego that can help you to actually get rid of the boring post-production and just use the material that you get from podcasting or eventing your filming your events and just use it for marketing so it's a really valuable episode that i definitely advise to listen so coming from sunny california from san diego dylan welch dylan thank you for being part of the podcast hey philip thanks so much for having me i appreciate it i'm a big fan of what you're doing and uh yeah, the remote entrepreneur life—it's it's something that you know a lot of people strive to do. So, congrats on making it happen for yourself, and hopefully, we can you know give some pointers and some helpful advice to the listeners today. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Tell me, you come from the corporate media media world, so uh, basically recording TV shows, and I see I will, I'm following you also on Instagram. I see that you are switching to podcast. So, can you give me a little bit? background uh, about your work experience and what's happening what's the transition that you're doing now yeah totally so um, I, I it all goes back to in high school so when I was about 14 15 I took a video production class in high school in about ninth or tenth grade and I made this really stupid video with my friends and I showed it to my class and everyone thought it was hilarious and I was getting high fives and all this I was like man that was that was pretty cool. I got to go out and hang out with my friends and make some cool stuff and made people laugh. And then uh, I was like, oh, maybe, you know, is there a career in this? So I started doing research and it's like, oh, Hollywood blockbuster director is making $20 million movie. I'm like, oh, maybe I can turn this into a, a nice little career here. And that's kind of how it all got started. And um, so I went to college for media, film production. And really, the, the reason I wanted to go into it was not just money, but also the ability that, you know, media, whether it's television, film, magazines, newspapers, the effect that it has on so many people. And that's ultimately, you know, what a goal that I would like to do is I'd like to have, you know, hopefully a positive influence on as many people as possible. And I saw that the media world in general is a great way to do that. Um, so I studied film production and I worked in television and then. You know, one thing I always say is, you know, the media world in general is constantly changing. I mean, if you look how look at how the internet has just completely revolutionized things. Right now, we're talking on the opposite sides of the world, and then people anywhere at any time can listen to this. It's really mind blowing. So, for me, um, I'm always just looking at new opportunities from a both a business standpoint and an opportunity to help people, help businesses, reach people, educate people. So I went, um, I was working in the television world, which, um, you know, it's, it sounds very cool. Oh, produced a thousand television shows. And I was airing on all these networks doing this and that. I was also um, working for, you know, a, a corporate big company, making them a ton of money. And I was getting a salary and I was burnt out and I was, you know, wasn't exercising. I wasn't eating healthy. And you know, going back to the media industry is always changing. I saw some opportunities where I could essentially one escape that world because mm -hmm. I just had enough of it. I was sick of answering to uh, overbearing bosses and working with people and clients and all that and said, you know, I could probably do this myself and 
decided to um, ultimately go out and start my own business and build it around kind of an area that I saw, you know, could use some support. And then that was about, let's say, you know, 10 to 12 months ago, made the transition. And, you know, luckily, I've been able to keep my head down, stay focused, stay positive. Um, I'm able to, you know, essentially make more than I did before at my old company, which I'm lucky enough to say is a great feeling, great, you know, blessing in a sense. And then um, also just not having to answer to any bosses, any, you know, I don't want to, you know, say anything too bad, but you get to be your own boss, you get to set your own schedule, you can tell clients no. And then also you set your own schedule and you can work when you want to, how you want to, where you want to. And um, that has always been, it was never a goal of mine to work remotely or um, I'm not trying to, I don't necessarily want to be insanely rich. I'm not chasing, you know, the Jeff Bezos when it comes to, you know, having the biggest company. But I think a big thing about it is finding, you know, what makes you happy using entrepreneurship uh, to help you achieve those goals. And there are still the ups and downs, the highs and lows, the stresses of running a business every single day. But um, overall, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great life to live. So if you're listening to this, uh, hopefully you can find a way to do it or, um, you know, keep listening to podcasts like these and learning and, you know, figure out what your goals are and set, set it in motion to achieve those goals. Yeah, for sure. So tell me, uh, does the switch coming from corporate world salaries and a steady pay- paycheck and just going remotely, uh, can you just do it that easily and can it happen just overnight? What, 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 how, that, how that looked for you? Yeah, it's a very long process. It's, it's a still, for me, it's still a process that's happening. Um, when I say, you know, I left the corporate world, I'm not necessarily knocking the corporate world. You know, you have to make money to live no matter where you are. And if you enjoy that and you found a job that, you know, pays you well or you, you know, you like it, then by all means, you know, don't leave that to start a company if that's not what you want to do. You know, figure out what makes you happy. For me, um, I realized that wasn't making me happy and I wanted to make a switch. And I had a pretty good job on paper. You know, I was getting paid relatively well for someone my age. Um, I was doing what I set out to do. If my 15-year-old self looked back when I first had that camera with my friends to what I was doing, they'd be like, man, that's freaking sweet. But <laughs> at the end of the day, um, I wasn't as happy as I thought I could be. And I realized, you know, one, I didn't like making other people rich and I get a salary. You know, you get X amount every month and they keep getting more and more and more from the hard work you put in. Felt like that was kind of unfair. Um, two... I live in, you know, I was living in San Diego, California. I still am based out of here. It's beautiful and it's sunny. So if I have to wake up at on Monday at, you know, 7 a.m. and I'm in an office all day until Friday at 6 p.m., what's the point of living in a, a place like this if you're not enjoying it? Um, so it was a it was a very tough decision because I was, on one hand I was I had a good job. I was very lucky to be employed. I was getting paid. I was able to pay my bills. Um, I had some friends at the company. It was a great company to, you know, that was growing and all this and that. But at the same time, I had this pull that it wasn't right for me. So it wasn't just a decision, oh, one day I'm going to quit. You know, it's when you're in that, uh, in that situation, in that, that working place, people rely on you. You build relationships. You can't just pull the plug and say, sorry, I'm not coming in tomorrow. Um, because you're going to be, you know, it's the way I describe it. It's almost like breaking up with a significant other where Mm -hmm. not only are you ending the relationship with that person or that company, but there's, there's the friends that you had, the places that you would go to all of that kind of ends. So it's, it's a tough decision. Um, and for me, there's a lot of, there's, by the time that I thought about it, by the time I left, it was probably a four or five month window Mm -hmm. where I, you know, I had that initial thought, all right, maybe it's time to leave okay, let me figure this out. Let me get my ducks in order. Okay, that's another sign I should leave until, you know, it came down to that moment. And I, I typed up probably 10 different emails to the CEO of the company, my boss, who I looked up to and had a good relationship with. Um, you know, it's like breaking up with someone, literally, you know, it's kind of like, sorry, it's not you, it's me. It's really hard to send, <laughs> you know, press send or tell that person, but you got to do what's best for you. Finally did it. Um, and it's, not only once you leave that situation, cool, that's over with. Now you're just, you have nothing, right? So now you have to start building something completely from scratch. So 
I kind of, when I had the initial thought to leave, I kind of got some things up and running and going, my idea, my business plan. And then by the time I left, I kind of had some things up and running, but then I had to go out and actually get clients, get revenue, get an income, build the business. Um, and you know, when you're starting a business, there's so many things you have to do all at once, not just get clients and deliver, but the legal side of things, filing for your LLC or your S corp, um, getting insurance. So there's a lot of things that are out of the element that you have to figure out as you go. A lot of that stuff costs money as well. So there's no, it's not a smooth transition. Um, and it's, it's still kind of happening right now. I'm still growing my business and building my staff and adding services that I see is a good fit. But yeah, like I said, you know, if, if you feel that tug, some people have it, some don't, but you got to, you have to go with your heart with what, you know, you think is going to be most beneficial to you as a person. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So it's definitely not a four hour work week. Just <laughs> do this, do that. And you're rich. Yeah, it's funny because I have the um, the four hour work week is on my bookshelf right behind me. And as much as we'd all want it to be, yeah, there's a, uh, you know, the the good thing about, and I'm sure you've heard this quote before. It's like an entrepreneur is someone who works 80 hours a week, so they don't have to work 40 hours. It's very true. And what's great nowadays is we have the ability to text people, to call people, to message people. So while I do have you know office space and studio space for me personally. I try to be out of there as much as possible. I like to be, you know, if I can, I'd be at home sipping coffee and working on a balcony or in the sun versus sitting in a, um, in a, you know, in a, in a cubicle. So I guess for me, I'm always kind of working in a sense. I'm always thinking about what can I do next? Got to, you know, talk to this client, got to talk to a crew member. Um, so it never really ends, but it also allows me if, Hey, I want to go, you know, take a break and it's 2 p.m. on a Tuesday, I have the ability to do that too. And I don't have to answer to a boss that says, hey, where are you? If you're not in your desk, you're fired kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think the, the sun is quite quite sunny in your room yeah. on the screen. Yeah, like the here, camera, I'll give you a, it looks weird. I have a little balcony right here. So I'll oh, try okay. to, yeah, Yeah. there we go. Oh, there, yeah, there's, I saw oh, that okay, coming perfect, in. There's, the sun's perfect. starting to set over here. So there it's, it's coming yeah. in. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Okay, so why uh, I, I I saw your profile. Basically, you were working in in the TV industry. The story is everybody that that, that would like to escape the corporate job that they try to build something on on their own. Uh, tell me how easy it was for you to to switch from corporate job to to being your own boss because it's not that easy in my opinion because mm-hmm. you have to do basically everything you were trying to escape your boss and you were doing what mm-hmm. you were great basically producing tv shows and then you had to figure everything out like accounting llc payments employee how did you handle that like within three four months yeah i mean it, it all happened pretty quickly so you're juggling a lot of hats all at once um especially you know for me i do media production and content creation so mm-hmm. if it was up to me i'd be out you know making something and i give it to the client or i put it out and it gets all these views and i get paid for it that's that's probably five percent of my total day i yeah i deal <laughs> with contracts i deal with you know the legalities of things um but also the you know, a lot of people don't realize if you want to start a business, it has to have a genuine service or product or value that you're providing. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I've got this idea. I'm going to go out and do this. Well, that's great that you have this idea, but is it going to make you any money? Like that's, that's really the entire, you know, reason behind the business. I, I deal with a lot of people who say, oh, I want to quit my job and I want to go do this. Um, and I say, all right, well, you know, that's a cool idea, but what is your product or what is your service? What are, how much of people, how much are people going to buy it for? How, how are you going to deliver it? What is the profit you're going to get on that? Um, and that was something that I had to learn myself. And you know, what's cool is I kind of started with one product that I was selling one service Mm -hmm. and then I added to it as my clients expressed needs for it. But you can go into it being like, Oh, I want to start a media business. Well, what does that even mean? Like, that's great that you want to start a media business, but how are you going to generate revenue? How are you going to turn a profit? Otherwise, you're just going to be burning money. And I, I, I know a lot of people who want to start a media company, but they don't understand that. Or any company in general, 
So my advice is, you know, if you're going to start a business, have a set product with a set price and know who is going to buy it and then go out and start selling it. That's the number one thing that most people get caught up on. And I know it sounds really simple and basic, but if you want to start a business, like that's something you really have to figure out. And luckily I figured out what my product is, how much I'm charging for it and who wants to buy it. And I went out and I freaking tried to sell as many people as I could because you need money coming in. If I didn't get clients right off the bat, I wouldn't have a business because it takes, it takes money. It takes clients giving you money in order to file for your LLC, in order to pay an accountant to manage your banking, your book, your booking and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would tell people is like, figure out what your product is or your service, go out there and sell it as hard as you possibly can. Nobody, there's a lot of people that also want to start businesses, but they don't want to sell their own products. Sales is probably the best skill you could ever have when it comes to being an entrepreneur. You better be able to sell your stuff real fast and real quick. And if you can, that's what's also going to help separate you from, you know, your business and, or excuse me, your, your, uh, your competition. And ultimately you need cash flow to build your business, live the life that you want to live. So hope that answers your question. I know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. (laughs) Sales can cure all pain points in, in business. So definitely sales is most important. If you don't want to do sales, just, just work for somebody that can do sales because you you cannot do anything if you cannot do that. And sales is honestly one of the best skills you could ever have as an entrepreneur. Um, Get used to get it, get used to hearing no all the time. Don't be afraid. Honestly, I, uh, I used to be, you know, scared to call and reach out to people, but, um, you know, I get told no all the time, but also if you believe in the product that you're selling, then it's not necessarily sales. It's just, Hey, this is what I do. If you can get value from it, this is what the cost is going to be. If not, no big deal. You know? Yeah. Want to buy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yes, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I do have a reverse problem. I know how to sell. I'm selling past decade. That was something that I, I mastered that still mastering. I can sell it, but then I have to fulfill it. So I'm just trying mm-hmm. to eliminate myself from work. So another tip that I can suggest to people that are planning to do business, think uh, of your business with end goal in mind, like how your business mm-hmm. is going to look when you handle everything. Like, can you eliminate yourself from the business? Because if you cannot eliminate yourself and you still have to, even if you earn million dollars a year and you have to work 100 hours a week, What's the point? Exactly. You cannot enjoy it and you cannot remove yourself. So it's not a good business in my opinion. If you mm-hmm. can remove yourself at some point, not like right away, then yeah, okay, just, just go do it. Sacrifice two, three, probably five years to, to make it and then just eliminate yourself mm-hmm. from exactly. the world. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, um, that's a big thing too is basically scaling up. You know, yeah. when it comes to scaling up, it's not just scaling up and getting more clients and getting more um, staff on your team. It's also how can you essentially scale yourself back so that you're not doing all of the work. And that's, uh, I think that's a major part of being a remote entrepreneur or a nomad is, you know, not just adding clients and adding clients and adding work and adding your staff, but also do you really need more clients? Do you need more staff at what point, you know, not saying this is for everybody, but for me, when I first started my company, I was you know, gung-ho about is getting as many clients as I possibly could and making as much money as I possibly could. And I was, I was getting more and more and more and more revenue coming in and I was adding staff and adding staff. And I realized you know, it's more work the more you do that. No matter what, I mean, obviously you can you know, grow and hire underneath you, but when you're scaling up that first phase of your business, I got to a point where I was like, all right, it's not worth it to add this extra client for what's going to, for the money that's coming in, even though as much as I love the money, the amount of work it's going to add is going to take away, you know, another day that I could be out relaxing on the beach or just enjoying my life. So after a certain point, it's, you know, is the money worth it or is the lifestyle you want to live worth it? And, and that's just a part of, you know, growing a business and scaling it up and, um, you know, being smart with your time and your resources. And, and if, uh, if you can, find good people to help you, then that's a great quality that, you know, you can bring to the table as well. 
Yeah, probably if you want to build a business after you learn the sales game, another thing is how to become a leader and how you can delegate work so you don't have to do it on your own. That's a skill yeah. that I am learning now. Exactly. Yeah, when I first started my business, you know, it was it was content creation, production, and it was just me. Yeah. So I was filming everything and I, I'm not the camera guy. I'm not the, you know, the editor, but it was, I was doing the camera stuff. I was doing the editing. And then when I could, you know, the first thing I did was I hired a camera guy and an editor. And yeah, it's a little less, you know, profit for me overhead, but by giving them that person that work, it just freed up, you know, 20 hours of my time. And then you have to think when you're a business owner, what is the best possible use of your time? For me, it wasn't filming and editing just as it's not for you. The best use of my time is going out and getting more clients so that I can have my production team film and edit and go and go and go and build it from there. Yeah, definitely. That, that's a good point that uh, anybody that is building business or considering to build a business that should keep in mind. Yeah, definitely. Time is more valuable than money. Absolutely. 100%. Yes. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So you were in the TV industry and uh, basically you're switching more to the podcast side, mm -hmm. content on demand. Like why is the switch? Why going from TV to, to audio to podcast? Like what's happening? You have inside information pretty much. Yeah, it's, that's a great question. And I think anyone listening to this can hopefully pull some helpful information. And I'll kind of go back, you know, maybe 15, 20, even 30 years ago, the media industry has changed so drastically through the use of the internet um, that you know you can really take advantage of it if you put in a little bit of effort and you know what to do. And, and I'll kind of give an example real quick. You know, movies back in the day, you'd go, um, you you know, pay X amount of money, you'd sit in a movie theater, or if you missed it, you'd wait a couple months and you'd go to the movie rental place and you'd rented and you put it in your VCR, your DVD player. Now, thanks to Netflix, thanks to the internet, every single movie ever created in the history of the world is available to stream at any time. So a billion dollar industry, the movie industry, totally changed in a matter of a couple of years. The television industry, let's look at that. You used to have to um, sit down at you know 7.30 on Thursdays to watch your favorite TV show and you'd watch one episode and then you'd have to tune in and watch the next one the next week. And also thinking bigger than that, the television industry, there's you know six major billion dollar companies that controlled every channel. And they figured out, okay, you know, let's put on a, a cop show because the demographics like to and we'll play it at this time. And it's all that. And then now all of a sudden you've got, you know, you can watch any TV channel, any TV show at any time on Netflix or Amazon Fire or Roku or whatever it is. So it's streaming. Now what I'm noticing, and, and you're from a totally different place than I am, so it might be a little bit different, but the radio here in America, you'd hop in your car or you'd get a radio and you'd turn into your favorite station and every once in a while you'd, you know, you'd hear your favorite song that you wanted to play and you had to listen to a bunch of commercials in between and you had to listen to a bunch of songs that you didn't like and it was kind of on in the background. Now thanks to the internet, thanks to you know, phones and the computer, you can listen to any song ever created at any time, and that's a pretty powerful thing. Um, and then now with you know podcasts, it's a whole new emerging, uh, almost medium in a sense where you know there was radio or it was basically talk radio, which is the only thing that a podcast really what could be related to, which is not very popular. You know, the only people mm -hmm. that had a talk show radio were you know political people yeah. or you know like conservative people talking like crazy stuff. Or but anyway, we won't get into that. Now, anyone with, you know, whether it's a computer or even a phone has the ability to create something and not just for podcasts, but video in general, um, anyone with a phone and a camera can create literally a movie, a TV show, a podcast, a song, and put it out there for anyone to stream at any time. So to kind of go back to what I was saying before, there was maybe 10 billion dollar conglomerate corporations that controlled movies, TV, radio, newspapers. Now, there's still some big corporations that do that. I mean, obviously, YouTube, Facebook, the distribution platforms. But you can go out there and create whatever you want to and put it out there. 
um, as long as it's not anything like racist or violent or you know yeah. sexual or anything, obviously. Um, but that whole shift, which has happened in only you know really 15, 20 years, is dramatic. That's billions and billions of dollars we're talking about. So if you are a business owner, you just have to pay you know ABC hundreds of thousands of dollars to air a commercial on their channel. Now you can create a Facebook account and you create a video selfie style or a photo. You can create a commercial and put it out to people for completely for free. So it's a huge dramatic change in the ability of people to reach one another, both for communication, you know, like what we're doing today, whether you want to call your mom who's on the other side of the world, or it also opens you up the opportunity to buy and sell things on opposite sides of the world or from people that you don't know and to get your product in front of other people that you want to sell it to uh, for very little money, relatively speaking, compared to, you know, airing a commercial or buying a newspaper ad. So um, the reason I shifted out of television was because the company I was working for was doing the same thing that, you know, they've been for 20 years. They're producing a show and it costs a lot of money to make. And then you had to send it over to the station and there's this whole process and it costs a lot of money and the show aired one time on Sunday at 8 p.m. And that was it. And I was like, you spent all this money and all this time and it aired for 30 minutes and then no one's ever going to see it again. That doesn't really make sense. Like we can do, you know, the exact same thing and for one one hundredth of the price and have it go online and live up there forever. And not only that, nowadays you can target who sees the content, you put a little money behind it. So if you know who your audience is, um, you can put that content right in front of their face. And then once you figure that out, and you have a product you're selling, you can figure out what content you can create to put in front of your audience so that they're in interested and engaged. You have a call to action, you have a landing page, all of a sudden you have their information and you can put them into your funnel system to sell them your product. So huge drastic change. Um, my company, we do a lot of different stuff, but the main thing is the podcast production and creation mm -hmm. for my clients. And I just think podcasts in general are going to be a huge emerging platform medium, I should say, um, that more and more people will be creating. And here's kind of an example of how I think this will happen. I was reading the statistic where right now there's 50, no, there's five, and you can fact check me on this. I'm trying to remember exactly, but I believe there's 500 million websites right now. Okay. 500 million, right? So, now, if you think back, let's say 10, 15 years ago, before there was Wix and WordPress, if you had a website, you were basically the king. Like you could, you dominate your market. It made you legitimate, professional. And now everybody has a website. Right now, there's only 700,000 podcasts. So that sounds like a lot, right? If you're a podcaster, you're like, man, there's 700,000. Imagine if you were in the space where you were one of the first 700,000 websites, you'd be the leader of your market. So what I'm telling people is eventually pretty soon having a podcast is going to be as synonymous as having a website or, you know, content or putting a video out there, you know, yeah, even or, a blog video. or something like that. Exactly. So I'm telling people, listen, like, Maybe you didn't start a podcast five years ago. That's fine because you're still in a space right now where you can. But 10, 15 years from now when there's 20 million podcasts and every single person has a podcast, it's going to be a lot harder to get in. So having that podcast like you have, super smart. And also you can create a podcast that excuse me, is extremely niche to the audience that you're trying to reach. Um, you don't have to have... Obviously, it's great if your podcast reaches 100 million people every week. But if you have a podcast that's very specific towards the audience that you're trying to reach and trying to sell to, and you provide them value and it's entertaining and people tune in every week, then you're going to be able to capture that audience and monetize it and capitalize on it right now uh, better than, you know, I think in a website or, you know, social media content creation or all that stuff, because you're also establishing yourself as a leader in that space. So for example, you, by having this podcast, you are automatically considered an expert in your space because you're controlling the conversation. 
So if you keep doing this podcast five, 10 years from now, it's going to be like, oh, Philip's the man, dude. If I want to be a remote entrepreneur, I got to go to him because he's the person to talk to. Or if you have a finance, financial advising podcast, you keep doing that, you stick with it five years from now. Oh man, I got to go talk to so-and-so because they, you know, they're the leader and the, I just heard their podcast or his podcast. I got to go talk to them about this or, or real estate or business or sports or fitness or health or whatever it is. Now's the time to start a podcast because it allows you to be an expert in your space for a relatively low startup cost to get it out there. I mean, we're doing this right now on Zoom. Um, you might have, you know, like the, the business plan for Zoom, but it's like 15 bucks. You put in some time to schedule a guest. You put in some time for post-production. And all of a sudden, you've got content that you can put out there to millions and millions and millions of people. And that's really powerful. Yeah, definitely. I like your idea. And actually, that's that's something that I was thinking. Like, I, I'm in the remote space for the six for the past six years. The world is coming to remote entrepreneurship. So that's why the podcast is called Remotepreneurs. And I'm not making any money of the podcast. I'm investing a lot of money to be consistent, to have great guests like yourself. And definitely it's a positioning game. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Five years down the line when there is going to have, like, let's say, 30% more remote entrepreneurs and the podcast is still running, people will say like, let's check out with this guy. And by then probably I will have courses, affiliates, etc. I will have attention. I think the biggest value that you can build with a podcast is attention. And that's probably the biggest value that everybody is looking. Everybody has some kind of product, some service, etc. But probably nobody cares about it. So if mm. you have people's attention, you will win. And podcast is a good way to, to do that by reaching out to guests, reaching out to their audience, positioning yourself as an expert and then you have a marketing material to repurpose as much as you want. Exactly. That's You hit two really important things on the head right there. Um, and I'll kind of give you a little bit of advice because I know okay. you're kind of asking, but I'll also give this just out there to anybody who um, is starting a podcast or really in general doing any type of content creation or digital marketing. So you want to think in three three terms, long-term, medium-term, short-term. And what's good about podcasts is they hit all three of these things at once. So we'll start with the long-term. So long-term is where do you want to be one year from now, right? Like let's figure out what your goals are both as a business and as a person. Identify those goals and you can use the podcast to help you get there. An example of this, a quick story I have a client. She's a real estate agent. She wanted to start a podcast. She wanted to use it as a way to market herself. And we were talking, figuring out what the show would be. And I asked her, I was like, okay, cool. What are your goals one year from now? Like, what do you want to do in real estate? And she was like, I hate real estate. I don't even like doing it. I am only in real estate because it helps me pay my bills. But if I could, I'd be doing other stuff. And I was, I asked her, you know, what do you want to be doing? And she said, Oh, I love wine. I want to be, um, you know, a sommelier. I want to be at events where I pour wine. I want to sell wine. I be. I want to be in that culture. So we conceptualize this show called Uncorked. So you can go and check it out if you want to. And what she does is she drinks wine and talks about real estate. And she brings on guests who are, you know, younger, fun people. She talks about real estate trends and they drink wine and it's fun and they laugh. And the show's called Uncorked. So we tag, you know, the wine we're drinking. She talks about the wine and the show. And what happened was within a matter of just putting out a couple episodes, a wine company reached out to her and said, hey, we want to sponsor your show. So now, literally, my computer is resting on a big box of wine that this company (laughs) shipped us. And they mail her a check each week. And every episode, we tag them on social media. And she gives them a shout out. So she went from being, you know, selling real estate to in a matter of a couple episodes of putting her podcast out there, getting paid to drink wine. So long-term, think about what is your long-term goal? You know, what you are doing right now might not be where you want to get, where you want to be in a year from now. So think about where you want to be a year from now and design something that day by day helps you get there. So that's long-term, really figure out what your goals are and then reverse engineer what you're going to do. Second, medium-term, what we're doing right now is we've never met before, but 
I'll tell you right now, if I, if I, I was telling you before this, like, oh, I've got a ton of people you should meet, other remote entrepreneurs. You can use podcasts as a way to network with people that you might not have had a chance to network with. And I'm not saying that like us particularly, but if you want a client, let's say, let's say for me, I would love, there's a, a really cool person who's a business owner. And I'm like, man, that would be my dream client. If I just cold call them every day, no one likes being cold called or reached out to. I'm going to get ignored. It's going to suck. I'm going to get rejected. And they're probably not going to want to come on. But if you have a podcast, I could reach out to that person and say, Hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm the head host of this podcast. It airs here, here, and here. It gets this many views each week. I'd like to invite you to be on the show. And in exchange for coming on the show, you're going to get marketing materials. I'm going to tag you on social media. And then what you're doing is just fundamentally switching the way that you're connecting with people. You're no longer reaching out to them and asking for something. You're providing value, which they in turn will get something out of being a part of it. So, and this happens all the time with, with, the, um, with the shows that I produce. We use their shows as a way to build new relationships. So we'll invite people on the show that they want to have a, you know, a relationship with because there's one thing from sending a cold email or, you know, a phone number that you don't know to sitting down with someone and having a full on deep conversation for 30 minutes. Like you and I will, I'm going to follow all your stuff and I'm going to root for you. I'm going to help you out wherever I can. It's the exact same thing when you get that personal connection. So medium term, you can use the podcast as a way to build relationships with networks that you want to be in by providing them value, by having them on your show and giving them exposure. When in reality, you're using the podcast as a way to open new doors that normally wouldn't have existed. So then the last one, short term, is what we're doing right now. We're filming this, we're recording it. I know on social media, you create little sound bites. And what you're doing is you're marketing yourself as you know the leader in remote entrepreneur space. So you're putting, you know, you post stuff every single day. Um, in order to be successful on social media or digital marketing, you have to be really consistent. You have to put out high quality stuff. Like you said, you have to put out value that get people wanting to tune in. So that's kind of the three things that are really good. You get short term, quick, every single day content creation. Two, you get to build relationships with people that you might not have the chance to. And then three, long term, you can use the show or the podcast or whatever it is you're creating to help you get there by positioning yourself as a leader in that space. Absolutely, absolutely. Definitely, that's why I'm doing it and I'm trying to do it consistently. Definitely, you mm -hmm. hit all three points. Well, I had them doing? in the mind, but it wasn't like one step, number two. <laughs> yeah. Really good. No, I mean, what's cool, you're already doing it. I know you do a new episode every Monday. So yeah. uh, that's that's a key thing right there is just the consistency. And you start, you know, really, I, I started long to short, but you want to start short to long, you want to start putting content out there and building it and building it and building it. Because anyone who's starting a new podcast, you know, yeah, you want to open up new doors with these people that you want to build a network with, and you want it to get you there. But you have to have some content out there first to get people interested. You know, yeah. you have to build off of guest by guest by guest because you know let's say you reach out to your dream guest and you say hey I, I have this podcast i really want you to come on and they look at you know spotify or apple Podcasts, and you've got two episodes it's like oh well you know maybe not but I'm busy. <laughs> start a little, yeah exactly but you start a little bit smaller you know, maybe even start with your network or your friends and you just build out that content and you post a, a photo, hey, check out this guest. And you do that consistently, 30, 40, 50 episodes down the line, you're going to reach out to that same person who's going to be scrolling through 50 episodes of your podcast. It's going to be like, oh man, yeah, I'd love to be on the show. You know, it's, so you have to start small and grow and grow and build and, you know, have patience with it and um, just have that vision and, be patient, but have that vision and work towards it every single day, especially with the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm going to share my personal experience and what happened uh, with the podcast after recording maybe 14, 15 episodes. I was reached out to be uh, Liam, from Liam Martin. Liam Martin is a time doctor owner. He runs like eight figure business. 
and it's all about freelancing, productivity, all about remote entrepreneurship, perfect guest. I recorded an interview with him and two, three years ago, I was trying to work as a salesperson for Time Doctor and I didn't got the job. And then I was just talking, thanks to the podcast with the actual owner of the company, that, that yeah. could be impossible. The company is like 100 plus. Another guest that I uh, reach out using LinkedIn, uh, using Instagram, Liam Martin told me you should speak with this guy, with Russ Perry. Mm-hmm. Russ Perry is Design Pickle owner, the founder of Design wow. Pickle. He's also a figure business. He revolutionized the graphic industry, to be honest. Uh, and I just sent him a comment and sent him a direct message. Liam Martin said we should talk on the interview. And he was like, yeah, I know Liam for sure. Let's schedule it. He gave me his assistant email. And after two months, I think we, we recorded the episode and the episode is full of value about his business model. That wouldn't awesome. happen if, if yeah. it wasn't the podcast. Exactly. That's so cool. Yeah. You can go right for the top, you know, yeah. and, uh, it's, it's cool when, you know, you start to see it really come together too, because you never know a couple, you know, a month or a year down the line when you cross paths with Design Pickle again and all of a sudden they want to hire you or they want to use your services or you have to call in a favor and say, Hey man, remember, uh, yeah. remember we had that podcast? Oh yeah, of course. What's up? You know, you build that relationship and, um, and you did exactly what I mentioned. You leveraged the podcast as a way to build new relationships with people that you might not have had the opportunity before. And now you're looking back at that old company. You're like, man, I'm kind of glad I never got that job yeah. because now I'm talking <laughs> to the CEO. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Another yeah. thing that happened is uh, I was reached out thanks to my social media activity and repurposing of the podcast episodes from Olumide. And he host the digital nomad summit in Bali in June. And he said like, dude, you should be a speaker there. And I was like, Okay. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> awesome, man. It's so funny when I when I started going green, and I was kind of telling you this a little bit before um, we started. I produced two episodes, and ultimately, by putting content out there similar to what you just said, it got me all of these these people reaching out to me. And the concept of going green was: I'm not a scientist. I'm not an expert in any way. I just wanted to go and talk to these people and learn. Mm-hmm. And by putting that content out there. I had um, events reaching out to me and being like, hey, we're the sustainability event of blah, 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 blah. Would you come be a speaker? And I'm like, I would love to, but I don't know anything about sustainability other than I just like interviewed a couple of people on my show. But it's again, it's just going back to what you said where you're just positioning yourself in a place of authority. You're taking the initiative. You're taking the, the leadership to bring in other people that you want to be around and you want to work with. And by being in that circle, they're no longer, you know, the CEO, they're your peers. And then when they're your peers, all kinds of opportunities open up that you would never imagine. Yeah, true. And from your potential customers eyes, when they see that you spoke with influential people in that industry, they were like, okay, this guy can be trusted. I think mm-hmm. that's uh, one of the things that people need if they want to, you know, do business with you and buy something. They need to have the trust and basically the interviews with the guest gives you that trust. If mm-hmm. they're, I don't know, uh, expert that they know, interviewed with you, with, with you, probably you're a confirmed source or an expert. Exactly. And if someone tuned into your podcast, and that's what's great about podcasts is, you know... I'm sure you, everyone has seen those one minute green screen videos where it's the CEO. Hi, I'm so-and-so yeah. I'm the CEO, blah, blah, blah. And they're reading off a teleprompter and it just sounds fake. Um, yeah, that's great to have that. But a podcast gives you the genuine personality of the people that you're listening to, which nowadays, especially if you're a remote entrepreneur or you're an entrepreneur in general, people like working with people that they like. You know, it's just simple. I, if I had two people that I was going to buy their service from, I'd go with the person that I enjoyed working with and being around. It's just, you know, as simple as that. So by creating a podcast, you know, we're having a conversation. People are getting to know us and our, know our personalities, even though we've never met. Versus if someone went to my website or your website and saw, hi, I'm Philip. I'm the CEO. Of, you know, it's just a totally yeah. different <laughs> dynamic. And people are like, oh, you know, I, 
I listen to your podcast and I almost feel as weird as it sounds is when I listen to podcasts, I'm like, man, I know that person, yeah. even though I've never met them. And if I ever saw them in person, I'd be like, oh yeah, that was so funny that one time. And they'd be like, who are you? But yeah. it just makes you, you know, more real and more personal. And as long as you're, you know, a genuinely good person and want to, you know, do good things, people will respond positively to that. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more than more. Uh, tell me, there are 700,000 podcasts. There are a lot of major players that have hundreds of millions of downloads. Like in my space, it's Tim Ferriss show. I mean, it's probably the top listed shows on Apple Podcasts, and he's talking mostly about remote entrepreneurship. So how I can actually uh, build a bigger audience with competition like that? Can you give me some some tips and strategies? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I love Tim Ferriss. Um, I'm sure everybody who uh, is listening to this has been impacted in him, by him one way or another. It's funny, I just reread his book. And it came out, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago. And now it, all the info almost seems a little bit outdated because it's like so obvious now everyone wants to do drop shipping or, you know, an e-commerce or whatever. Uh, but at the time it was so revolutionary, which is a pretty cool thing to say. Um, but in terms of, you know, how to build an audience, the most important thing is be consistent. You know, like I've worked with a lot of people who, They'll do their podcasts for two months and then they'll give up and nothing ever comes from it. Because even the biggest podcast, I mean, Tim Ferriss has been doing his for five years now, you know, and Tim Ferriss is a big name. I guarantee if you looked back when he dropped his first episode, he probably only had, you know, a couple listeners, maybe a couple hundred. You have to build it over time because the trends with podcasts is unless you're, you know, basically an A-list celebrity, people are going to find you naturally word of mouth or, oh, you like this podcast, you should listen to this podcast kind of thing. And then what happens, and I'm sure you do this, and if, if you're listening, you do the same thing. You find a podcast you like and you binge it. You listen to every single episode. Yeah. So if you only have you know eight episodes out there and you're not putting out fresh stuff, one, people won't be saying, oh, I really listened to this, ep this you should go and watch this. Um, it's constantly putting stuff out there regularly to um, really share stuff on social media. You know, like the what's a huge trend now and not even now, but it has been for a while is filming your podcast, recording it, putting it out on social media, put little sound bites on there. Um, because, you know, I always tell people, people, there's some people on LinkedIn, there's some people on Instagram, there's some people on Facebook, there's some people on YouTube everyone consumes their media in totally different ways. And without completely stretching yourself thin, you need to find a way to be on all of those platforms every single day. Podcasts, in my opinion, are the best way to do that because you can film it, you record it, you can break it down into bite-sized nuggets, you can put a soundbite on Instagram, you can put a two-minute clip on Facebook, you can put the whole thing on YouTube, you can even transcribe it and turn it into a blog. Um, so putting it everywhere is also really important because you never know when you might hit someone on LinkedIn one day and then your next new client is not LinkedIn, but they're on Instagram and they find you there. So putting stuff out there consistently, utilizing social media, I think those are kind of the two main ways. And then again, having patience, um, and also know your audience too. You know, what is going to keep them tuned in every week? What's going to be a good show? And if you're starting a podcast, start a podcast that's fun and cool and interesting. Don't start it for the reason of selling something. You have to start with a goal of creating entertaining content because there's so much stuff out there to choose from. If you're not either providing value or making someone laugh or educating someone or just getting them tuned in in one way or another, they're not going to tune in. That should be the first thing to figure out. What can we do to create people? What can we create to keep people wanting to come in that'll keep them engaged? Then once you have them engaged, you can slowly start selling your product. Otherwise, yeah. if you start the other way around, it's gonna be a 30-minute infomercial and nobody wants to listen to that. Yeah, nobody wants to listen to that definitely because it's <laughs> yeah. a content on demand. 
you can exactly when when you have the right to actually promote then you can start promoting on the, mm-hmm. the podcast not not right away another question i have from you how can you make the audience leave a review on the of the podcast because uh, let's let's face it let's be honest we are living in the mercy of algorithms anything mm-hmm. that you do now so if you're not in the mercy of algorithms, you don't feed algorithms with likes, with reviews, in our case, on Apple Podcasts, written reviews, etc. your show won't be visible and you cannot get attention. So even if you have mm-hmm. the best guest, the best uh, education, entertainment, doesn't matter in your industry, for your listeners, nobody will care. Mm-hmm. And mostly reviews are, are something that show to the audience that and the algorithm that they should listen to you. So how you can make more, more, review, more reviews? Any tips there? Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's hard. Um, you know, first and foremost, go into all your friends' phones, find it, and hit subscribe. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, one thing I like to do with the clients I work with is when we create a podcast, we create a month-long content calendar. So okay. we'll say, you know, for example, you release an episode every Monday. I believe, correct? Yeah, exactly. So, so let's say you're releasing an episode every Monday. What we'll do is we'll post a graphic that says, hey, Dylan Welch was just on my podcast. Tune in the following Monday. Then the next, the next day, um, a little soundbite. Hey, tune into you know, the Dylan Welch podcast or the Dylan Welch episode. Here's a quick one-minute soundbite so you can get an idea. So we'll do that. So for an entire month, 30 days, we'll know every single day what we're posting. We'll keep it, that does a few things. It keeps it consistent, it makes it organized. Um, But what we've been doing is also not just posting the content, but having a call to action is really important. Mm -hmm. So um, a couple different examples for calls to action are, you know, go to my website to learn more, or text me a question at this. Basically your call to action is you're asking the audience to do something. And we, you can be really, you know, you can go watch probably a million podcasts or articles about, you know, how to do a call to action successfully. Um, and it depends on what your goals are. But, you know, we try to alternate what that call to action is so that it doesn't get stale and it doesn't sound like we're selling too much. So, for example, on Monday, we'll identify what we're posting, where we're posting it, and then what that call to action is. And that will change every single day. So for example, let's say Monday. Monday is a graphic that says, Dylan Welch is on the podcast. Um, And we'll post that graphic on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And then we'll say, all right, what's the call to action? Okay, we want, you know, hey, tune into this episode to uh, listen to Dylan Welch on the podcast. To learn more, visit remotepreneurs.com. You know, so that little call to action. um, And then... You know, you can get real creative with them. One thing we can do, or one thing I've done recently is start adding little contests. So, mm-hmm. hey, you know, uh, like, subscribe, comment, and tag your friends. And then when this episode releases, we're going to give away a $50 gift card or something like that. So that's kind of a whole other beast in itself. But calls to action, if you don't have them, you know, what's kind of the point? But at the same time, you don't want to be over salesy. So there's a, a fine line of you want people to do stuff, but you don't want to be pushy. And I think what's good nowadays is um, the standard, hey, like, subscribe. You know, If you're putting content out there and it's good, that's not pushy or salesy. That's just, okay, cool. Yeah, re- thanks for the reminder. I'll subscribe to this because I know you're putting good stuff out there. So call to action could be as simple as, hey, you know, tune in every Monday or, Hey, go and subscribe or, Hey, go visit my website or, you know, put your email in here. But having some sort of call to action is definitely key. Whether you're posting content for your podcast or putting content out there anytime in general, you want to be putting something out there. So that when you have people's attention, instead of continuing to scroll, they stop what they're doing and you get them to do what you hopefully want them to do. Okay. Okay. Definitely. I, I, I like the idea. Uh, my, what I'm doing now is I'm running a contest for everybody that actually leaves me a review, sends a screenshot that they left a review to my social media or email, doesn't matter. I'm going to do a 15-minute free sales consulting call with them. There we go. That's perfect. 
I guess that can work. And also they can sign up for a free uh, ebook, mm-hmm. the three most, uh, well, most simple remote sales strategies that, that you can use that help me to actually develop four sources of income. Mm-hmm. So they're quick, yeah. they're easy. It's an ebook. It will be followed up with an email, with an email, with a video explanation, with a PowerPoint explanation, like step one, step two, step three, and actually explain how I started the podcast using those nice. three tips. It's yeah, that's awesome, man. That's super smart. Yeah, it's yeah. anything you can do. I mean, obviously, people love free stuff nowadays. So, and people are used to that too. Oh, put my email in, and I'll get this. You know, it's yeah, it's pretty common nowadays. But it's good because. Um, you know, it, it gets people opted in and you know they're interested in if someone's subscribing to your podcast or they give you a good review, you know that they're interested. And if you're selling something, it makes it a lot easier to sell to sell something to someone that enjoys what you're doing, enjoys, you know, knows you're putting good stuff out there and probably knows you if they're, you know, listening and tuning in every single week. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that I'm planning to do, I don't know if you've tried that. Uh, how can you make the guest, let's say, promote promote the episode? Like, mm-hmm. because usually you record it now and you release it after a month, and it's like people forget. Yeah. So what we're doing right now is um, so for all the podcasts I produce, right? So there's the podcast, the hosts. They obviously take it and they post it, and then what they'll do is they'll tag obviously the guest, all mm-hmm. that stuff, pretty standard. What we do is we also send our guests the same content. So my company will create that content, create the show, create promo videos, and then send it to the the host, which they'll then post. We'll take that same content and we'll say, hey, this is yours. Take it. It's free marketing material. It's professionally produced. It's high quality. It gives you credibility for being on the show. We're releasing the episode, you know, Friday, March 10th. Um, you know, please go out there and share and like it and we'll do cross promotion. And I think nowadays, um, most people see the, the kind of the, the value in that, the power of that. I mean, for my clients, they're paying me to create that stuff. That person just got the exact same thing and they didn't have to pay anything for it. So really it would be kind of dumb not to sound like negative or anything, but stupid for them not to share it you know yeah so we just try to say hey you know this is totally for you professionally created please go out and share it you know tag us all that good stuff and and we try to bring on people on our shows that also understand the value of that cross promotion if we try not to bring on you know a an 80 year old dude who doesn't have facebook and you know obviously we're going to do that we'll try to bring on people who understand the value and the power of the social media the marketing and the cross promotion so what I'd suggest is um, bringing on guests who will do that for you. For example, when you post the episode, it's going to be beneficial for me to post it and share it because I get you know essentially free marketing material out of this. It gives me credibility by being on your show. Um, so I'm going to go out there and I'm going to put it everywhere and say, hey, you know, check this out. So if you can find the people that see that and bring them on, that's probably the easiest way to really take advantage of it versus trying to force someone who doesn't see the value and teach them how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Definitely. Uh, anything else, any other idea that, that works for you? Man, um, you know, just have fun with it too. Uh, the, the number one thing is put yourself out there because the people who are putting themselves out there are getting the eyeballs on them. It does not have to be perfect. It could even be pretty bad, honestly. But putting something out there is better than not putting anything out there at all because otherwise you're invisible. And I'll give an example of this. I was talking to um, a client of mine and they said, man, did you see that video that my competitor just put out? It's so bad. And I'm like, yeah, it's bad, but we're talking about it right now. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, like... I guarantee you that competitor isn't talking about anything that we're doing because we haven't put anything out there. So putting out something is better than not putting out anything at all. Um, it's honestly like, I don't know, it's going back to basically the standard like Wayne Gretzky quote, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Or 
you know, you don't, you're not going to get anything if you don't ask for it. You have to put yourself out there and good things will come your way. But I guarantee you, if you put yourself out there and you follow that short, medium, long term, things will happen and things will come your way. Love it. Love it. Definitely. Okay. So my personal experience, podcast post-production sucks. I, I think a lot of people know the value of podcasting and thank you for sharing it, especially with your TV show commercials and everything that you've done previously. And a lot of people that have a lot of value to, to share on the podcast, they will say like, yeah, but how can I do it? I mean, it's too much work. I don't have time. I, I have the money, for example. I run a business successful, but I cannot do it on my own. And honest opinion by myself, because I run the podcast for one year now, podcast post-production sucks, definitely. Mm -hmm. Don't do it your own if you have the money. Just find somebody else to do it. So outsource that part. That's the biggest tip that you will get from me about 100%. Podcasting. Okay, yeah. so how can you help them in case they, they need help with actual production of the podcast? Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty hard because, you know, one, I would say if you're a business owner and you have a podcast, editing a podcast is not the best use of your time. Um, so it really comes back to time versus money. And if you think about it, you know, you can hire whether you know it's a, it's an editor in your town or a college student or um, a remote assistant. There's so many people that work in you know media world, so many people that are trying to get their foot in the door. If you spend a little bit of money, really it's investing in yourself to save that time for you. Um, when I first started, I created Going Green and I was filming it and I was editing it. And excuse me, I was putting in so much time filming it and editing it that I realized, man, like I could be going out and getting sponsors. So this is not the best use of my time. So I took, you know, what little money I had at the moment and said like, Hey man, I gotta, I gotta free up my time. Otherwise this will never happen. So I spent that little bit of money, hired someone to help me. And yeah, that's less money for me in the short term, but I just freed up 20 hours of my week. So now I can take those 20 hours and I can go and get money through advertisers or sponsors or clients. And now, yeah, I, I took a little bit of a hit up front, but I freed up my time so that I can get more revenue coming in. And had I not done that, I'd still be editing the show myself. So I had to take a little bit of a, you know, a bite at first, but it freed up that time. It also made me realize, all right, for this to work, I've got to go out there and make sales. I got to go out there and get revenue because the more revenue coming in, the more resources you have to, to invest in yourself or other tools, other things. Um, so if you can't hire someone, you got to put in the extra hours. You might have to drink an extra cup of coffee and stay up an extra hour and do it yourself. Um, but just know that, you know, all that time that you're doing that, you could be out drinking a beer or you could be out doing something else. So you're investing the time in yourself. And then when you can, hopefully a little bit down the road, hire someone to, you know, help you do it, whether that's on Fiverr. Um, you know, you can find local college students studying media production anywhere in the world. There's um, all types of places you can find remote people who do that kind of stuff. So one, you can't do it. If you can't hire someone, put in that little extra effort. I know it sucks. You probably want to go to bed or you might need to wake up a little bit early. You got to do it to hustle. Two, invest a little bit in yourself. I've always been a big proponent of investing in myself. So whether it's education, whether it's bringing on someone to help me so I can keep growing. Um, obviously, it's always scary when you've you know, saved up a bunch of money and you're venturing out into something new to then start dipping into that. But you just have to be smart and know, you know, okay, if I'm spending, if I'm paying someone $10 an hour, but it saves me X amount of time and I can go make $100 an hour by getting new clients, then I just made a $90 profit. So that's, that's the best advice is you got to hustle and do it yourself or if you can outsource the work and focus on what makes you money. Perfect. And if uh, somebody would like a high-skilled professional to do the work, how can people find you? Yeah, so check me out, Dylan Welch Media, um, on Instagram, Facebook, dylanwelch.com. 
my, my clients tend to be a little bit more bigger businesses who have bigger marketing budgets and they want to use a podcast or build it into their, um, their marketing plan. But I have a lot of people who are just starting their own podcast out for fun. So if you want to do it or you just need some general tips and advice, I love talking about this stuff. I'd be happy to you know, provide any help or any guidance or any information at any time. Yeah, perfect. Well, Dylan, thank you for being a part of the podcast and sharing a lot of value for, for anybody that's considering to build a business using podcasting in this case, somebody like me. <laughs> Thanks for the tips. Uh, and for the audience, I would advise to go to remotepreneurs.com or just follow me on Instagram at remotepreneurs. As I said, I'm running a contest. Anybody that actually leaves me a written review on Apple Podcasts, send me a screenshot. Uh, we can schedule a 15-minute sales consulting call. And definitely, I'm going to help you because that's my primary source of income. I'm a sales consultant and I helped a lot of people with lead generation. Last year, I helped around 200 clients with, with sales processes. So definitely, I can help there. But for free, just leave a review, spend 30 seconds, five seconds, I don't know how long you take. Just leave a review, send a screenshot and we will figure it out. Everything that we discussed with Dylan, I'm going to include show notes and I'll break down the episodes so it's a little bit easier for you to memorize everything and just start doing the actions if you plan to build a business with a medium. Dylan, thanks once again for being on the podcast. Anything else you would like to add? No, Philip, I just want to say thank you very much for having me on the show. It was awesome talking to you. Um, I look forward to staying in touch and you know connecting. And hopefully, uh, even though we both live a remote entrepreneurial nomadic life, you know, I'm sure our paths will cross someday and I'll be the first one to buy you a beer. So I appreciate you having me on the show. For sure. Awesome. And if you come in the Balkans, I'm going to buy you a Rakia. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I love it. Okay. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dylan. Stay in touch. And remember, each Monday we have a new topic, another a new guest from Remote Entrepreneurship. So go at remotepreneurs, remotepreneurs.com. Just leave your email. If you want in the newsletter, you're going to receive free remote tips. And if you leave a written review on Apple Podcast, just shoot me a screenshot and we will schedule the consulting call. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye, Dylan. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the podcast to be the first to hear new episodes. And if you feel that this episode provided you with value, we invite you to share this podcast with a friend that is trying to escape the matrix and create his or her own remote economy. Visit remotepreneurs.com and join the email list to receive this episode's show notes and a welcoming gift.